Yo, 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 what up, folks? And welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast. Ging, ging, ging. Today I'm sitting down with Evan Miller. What's happening? My friend from DePaul University. Long Evan, time uh, no see. Long time no see. Evan was just driving through and hit me up last night, or a couple days ago, and then we figured it out. Well, now we're hanging out. Yeah, kick, I gave a little. Kicking it. A little you gave me a window. Out. You gave me a window yeah. a couple days. But it's still, I was like, there's no way I'm going to let him drive by and not come, not get him on the podcast. So I had to see what you're up to, man. Oh, it looks yeah. like you're doing some cool stuff. So I'm glad to be a part of this. Evan Miller just spent the last 15 months living in Alaska, the Wild West out there. I mean, he was just sharing some stories last night. Man, gunslingers out there, huh? Yeah. It actually, yeah. It, it can get a little radical sometimes. It's, uh, it's still kind of got the Wild West vibe, just, uh, if you took the remote and put it on fast forward times four, you know, uh, raised up pickup trucks, oil, and uh, everything moves a little faster. Bush <sighs> planes, everything. It's, but it's still uh, anything goes, you know. Especially yeah. you get out in the bush, out in the boonies, it just gets a little wilder, a little remote. Like uh, coming down here, I uh, I took the Alcan. That's the Alaska Canada Highway. Going through Yukon, I think it did just over an hour. Didn't see another car. There's still some, it's a big world, man. There's some remote places out there. Wow. It's crazy. Well, before we dig into Alaska, do you mind, do you mind sharing us? Like, what's your story? Who is, who is Evan Miller? How would you, how would you walk us through that? Who is Evan Miller? Hmm. I wish you could tell me, but mm. no, I, uh, see, I'm just a generic Midwest kid born, <laughs> raised in Indianapolis. And, uh, I don't know. I, Graduated college winter 2018 and plan was always just to chill in the hometown because Indianapolis is dope, 317. But, you know, I graduated and I had this kind of weird like light switch flipped and suddenly I didn't want to do that anymore. And that freaked me out. I was like, what's going on? And I started thinking, I was like, I like my hometown, but how can you know if you really like something if you've never really left it, you know? Mm. Like we went to school in Greencastle, Indiana, but that's an hour away, you know, and it's not really leaving the hometown, you know. So I don't know. I got started looking for jobs elsewhere. And uh, actually one night I was having a few beers with my roommates and buddies and I Googled Alaska jobs and I just started, you know, applying randomly, not really thinking anything of it. And I forgot about it. And maybe two months later, I get this phone call. And this guy's like, uh, hey, it's uh, Neil uh, calling back about your job application. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, I don't remember this. And he's like, yeah, you applied, uh, what, two months back? And then I was like, holy cow, I did apply to this. And um, we got talking and it sounded like a cool job. And, uh, you know, I was feeling like doing something kind of ridiculous and you can't get much further away from Indianapolis, Indiana than uh, Alaska. And mm. uh, north it was. And I uh, left, what, two weeks after that. Ball rolled really fast. Wow. It was crazy, man. Uh, I know you've done some Arctic adventures yourself, but yeah. you ever get the chance, man, you should go up there in the summer. Unless you want to see Aurora Borealis, which my biggest regret in Alaska is I never saw it. I, uh, I don't know. I'd always sleep in or whatever. I never got around to seeing it, but that'll be my biggest regret. I always wish I could see that. But the summer is the beautiful time to go when oh, everything's yeah. blooming and. Oh yeah, it's it's some Lord of the Rings, uh, straight Tolkien shit. I mean, it's uh, you get twenty four hours of sunlight and uh, everything grows for maybe two months. Alaska's like a jungle. Mosquitoes, crazy. Uh, everything grows really fast. Uh crystal clear water unless it's like glacier glacier water is like this weird like light blue because it's got this silt in it that reflects the light but it looks like looks like someone put food dye in the water but it's natural it's just hmm. beautiful and it's cold and wildlife everywhere moose bears more bears wolves if you're lucky coyotes but you can see this <laughs> so what was the job that you accepted when you first went over there so I went up actually with uh, AmeriCorps and think Peace Corps, but in America and only for a year. 
So it's kind of a watered down Peace Corps. Got it. So I wanted I wanted to do like uh do something wild, but with like the amenities of the United States. Mm. So it's like Alaska's the U.S. Right? <laughs> it is and it isn't. But uh, so I thought you know, and I'd never been. I always wanted to go. I was like, uh, I read that uh in actually I never read it, but I know that Into the Wild book, you know, and uh, I thought, oh, it worked for him. Well, I guess not. But <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to do something kind of wild. And uh, so I took the job. I was doing, um, I was working for the mayor of Anchorage on um, some homeless service projects. We were trying to do rehousing. Um, what was it? Uh, I don't even remember the name of the, the program. But the, the idea was uh, to high, house the uh, highest uh, kind of recidivist uh uh, offenders, that's not a good word, but the people who had um, calls for drunk and disorderly or repeat uh, emergency room visits. And a lot of people might say like, why would you give them housing? You know, they're they're bad news or whatever. But one, uh, the issue doesn't solve if you don't work with it socially and uh, actually address and speak to these people as people. But also from... Uh, a financial view, uh, they've done studies. They found that the cost the city is more to continue having police calls and emergency room visits and fire department calls. That costs more than it is to house these people. So they found if you could get a social worker and affordable housing and addiction, addiction treatment, that actually one they found was more effective, surprise, surprise, and also, it was uh, more financially Just, beneficial for the city. Wow. But uh, that program went under. The, like, due to lack of funding? Lack of funding and uh, some kind of political, political push and pull. It's, uh, hmm. I learned it's tough to get you know, a program rolling when you have turnover every two years, every four years. And because a lot of these things you need time to see if they work. And when you get an administration change or, you know, there's a public pushback and you got to, you know, help voters, whatever, uh, things can kind of sway. And it can be a little disheartening, you know, especially when you're dealing with something like uh, homelessness where you can use something like people's livelihoods and uh, human beings and it becomes a, a political stepping stone. And uh, that can be really disheartening, especially... Uh -huh when you're the one, you know, talking to these people and uh, getting to know them. And, and sometimes they're, you're, they're your neighbors. They were my neighbors. And um, see people who never talked to them, didn't know them, making these uh, kind of wide sweeping decisions. And uh, I think it would go a long way if you uh, just started a conversation with someone, you know. Hmm. It goes a long way just to get to know someone. Wow. But uh, sun also rises and... Uh, Hopefully people learn, you know? Mm, I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said there. Yeah. Especially about just starting that conversation, you know, mm -hmm. building that relationship. You know, you can't, uh, can't always look for the past for the solution or even the now. Um, you know, we often ask, like, what's the right answer, whatever, and we'll look behind us and around us, which is good. Sometimes it is. But we also have to remember that sometimes the solution is still in the future. And it could be us, the ones that develop it, you know? So nothing ever really ends, you know? Uh, it keeps going. And we, as a community, can start something new. Hmm. So who see what happens. Was there a big homeless population in Anchorage? Yeah, it's a, it's huge. Um, that's what I learned, actually, because I've... Uh, so I, I drove down from Anchorage uh, through British Columbia and uh, down to San Diego. I took the Coast Highway and then cut up the Salt Lake City and then tear the veil, I realized that's a, a big issue on a lot of uh, the West Coast. And honestly, it, it's a serious issue across America, but in the West Coast, it's more visual. It's it's in your face. Uh, you go to the Midwest or the East Coast, there's more abandoned buildings or vacant places where it can go more out of sight, out of mind. But in a place like Anchorage or, say, um, Portland, uh, San Francisco, 
Uh, oftentimes, the, the contrast is a little more stark, especially in San Francisco. You know, you'll have a homeless village contrasted with a bunch of Teslas driving by. Yeah. So it's much more visible and uh, there's just much more space, you know. It's much more tent living and um, on the street corner. Mm. So it's um, it's harder for you to, like I say, out of sight, out of mind when you see it every day. Did you have an opinion of, of homelessness before going to Anchorage that changed after this experience? Uh, truth be told, I, I was a little more ignorant of the issue. I, I just didn't know how how big of an issue it was. Um, you know, like uh, you can watch something on the news or you can read about it on the internet, but it's difficult to actually grasp something until you actually experience it firsthand and actually, you know, get to know the people. And um, like I said, it's easy to um, make these sweeping assumptions, you know, like, oh, they got there because they messed up or of their own actions. But, um, you know, what they say, uh, if you walk a mile in someone's shoes, you'd end up in the exact same place they are, you know? And um, a lot of times, uh, you know, there, there's bigger issues going on. It could be... Uh, you trip up once, you know, um, say you get mugged, you lose your stuff or you lose your job, your house catches fire. Um, a lot of times uh, in Alaska, people come from the small the small villages, small communities that never left. And I wouldn't call Anchorage a big city, but some people would. And uh, you come there and it's a brand new experience to you. And you just don't know that lifestyle. And a lot of times people get taken advantage of advantage of and it's difficult to come back from that mm. and um everyone has a story and um addiction is a disease it's a real thing and uh once you hit rock bottom it's very difficult to come back up you know especially when no one's willing to give you a hand and uh so when people say like oh why don't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps but um it's a lot easier said than done and uh think if people could experience that or just get to know and listen to someone they'd understand that uh sometimes the saying doesn't cover it you know you gotta actually see it you gotta know mm. and you were saying that your experiences in city council reminded you a little bit of the tv show parks and rec uh oh <laughs> yeah man it's uh <laughs> can you talk a little bit more about what yeah what that experience was like yeah Pete People are dumb, man. It's 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 tough. Uh, people are ignorant, you know. And uh, but it it's crazy. Like we do these uh, city council, city assembly meetings, and uh, there would always be time for public comment at the at the end of the meeting. And uh, we we had a few characters. Uh, I won't say names, but you know, we we, we had a there's a case once. Like a, a guy had brought in like a bottle of poop before, you know, and uh, whoa. Say some crazy stuff and uh, well, why do you bring in the bottle of poop? Oh, he was tying it into like unsanitary conditions and homeless camps, but you know, ev everybody poops, right? And, uh, if you don't, you don't have a bathroom, where are you gonna go? So, mm. but no, pe people have some wild and outlandish opinions, you know. Uh, let's push it somewhere else, you know, and well, you can't, you know, it's uh, not in my backyard, NIMBY, you know, but. It's got to be in someone's backyard. Wow. So, Nimby, I'd never heard that term before. Yeah, that's just like, you know, uh, people say like, oh, uh, we should have, uh, you know, uh, addiction treatment or affordable housing. It's like we need to take a uh, change our approach to how this works. But then people will be like, all right, do you, do you mind if we put it in your neighborhood? And they're like, well, no, we don't want that there. But, mm. you know, you, eventually you got to, Put your money where your mouth is, or right. wait, your mouth where you. <laughs> I don't. You, yeah, I, I hope you understand what I mean. But so you did that for how many months? I did that for just six months, and then uh, there was a big budget issue um, with uh, the new fiscal year or something started, and uh, a lot of the funding got cut. And uh, so the for, program for AmeriCorps. Yeah, it was it was through the city. And um, the program was on the rocks and uh, the the writing was in the wall. And um, truth be told, uh, I'd been in some disagreements too with, with my boss. Um, Who was the in, mayor? 
Oh, who was the mayor? Wait, you were your boss was the mayor, right? Yeah, but not like directly. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd see so, him every day. So uh, when you say you had some disagreements, you didn't have disagreements with the mayor, you had disagreements with someone else? No, I think I think the longest conversation we had was about food. So we didn't we didn't talk too much about okay. uh, about uh work in general. Okay. But um no, it was just uh like I said it was difficult when I would be the one directly talking to these people and then uh seeing them get kicked out of their homes, you know, and uh I just uproots them for a while and uh it's difficult for, for someone to get back on their feet when they're already off it, you know. And um I just felt like uh, not everyone was seeing that, and uh, that got to me. So when the program ended, uh, I was upset at first, but you know I was supposed to be there for a year, and um, so I thought, well, I'm going to stick around. And uh, so I did this program called uh, Work Away. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, it's like- You might explain what it is, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you like work for- room and board basically or maybe maybe a couple pennies here and there you know and uh the idea is just you get to go to some cool and uh outlandish places meet some cool characters and uh it's like hey that sounds pretty cool you know like uh clearly I, I had a lot to learn about alaska you know and uh it's a big thing you know uh fresh college fresh-faced college kid comes to alaska and tries to tell people what to do and they're like well you got a lot to learn so <laughs> yeah, right I I didn't know what I was to learn, but I knew that I had a lot to learn. And um, I thought a good place to start would be just travel and uh, talk to people. And uh, so I started, I, I'd been in Anchorage uh, for six months and uh, gave up my lease and moved down to Homer for a little while. I worked on a peony farm. And that's, uh, do you know what a peony is? No. It's, uh, it's this like bushy flower. You'll see them in like bouquets or whatever. You can buy them at Walmart or Lowe's, whatever. They're, it's a very pretty flower. But uh, they did some study and uh, they're native to, I want to say, China, um, somewhere out east. But they did a study and apparently they grow really well in Alaska. Because while Alaska's got these cold, harsh winters, you know, uh, colds dropped that winter. Anchorage wasn't so bad. It dropped the negative 20. But you go up to like Fairbanks, eight hours into the interior, you get negative 50 days, stuff like that. It can get crazy. But um, we get these two months of full sunlight, 24-hour sunlight, and nice warm temperatures. And for something that can grow really fast in a short growing season, I cabbage. Cabbage is huge up there. But uh, same with peonies. They found that they grow really well um, down in Homer, which is on the Kenai Peninsula southish of anchorage but i worked there for a while um really nice couple uh they were really kind to me uh one of them there he had worked as a uh, the head chef down in antarctica the mcmurdo base he was a fascinating guy yeah he, uh, he told me this crazy story once uh actually about quarantine so a little topical uh do you know what lake vostok is no it's this uh this geothermal lake underneath the ice of Antarctica has been closed off for tens of thousands of years. But apparently there's a volcanic vent down there that melts the water enough that it's liquid and it stayed liquid through all this time. And they've always thought that life has probably continued down there. And uh, who knows what's down there, you know, some Jurassic Park stuff, dinosaurs, who knows, you know, can get outlandish. But, um, he, uh, the Russians drilled down into there. They had a base there. And um, they brought up uh, bacteria and, you know, some uh, microbes, whatever. So life was down there. Um, and then suddenly people start getting sick at this Russian research base. And they don't know why, you know. Lots of people start getting sick. And their chef at the research base gets sick. So they're like, hey, we know you got extra chef there can you send one of them to our research base for a while and he was like well yeah i want to want to check out what's going on there and so he's boarding the helicopter to go to the russian research base and then they get a phone call and guy flags him down says don't go stop the helicopter full quarantine of the base and uh apparently the outbreak had gotten so bad 
And then they'd have like a full communication cut. They wouldn't say what it was, you know, who knows, whatever. And they never, presumably everyone got well and happy and it was fine, but no one ever really learned what, what happened there. Whoa, so, that's insane. I like to think some, some Jurassic Park, you yeah. know, the thing. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but some creature from the deep came up, but. It was probably you just, don't. So you think when they were quarantined, they said it was a bacteria, but actually it was like some other crazy thing. Who knows? Maybe it was like. So so far, the Russians are the only ones who've drilled down into this underground lake. Oh, I'm not sure now. Uh, there might have been some more international effort, but they were the first ones so to do it. What's the name of the lake called again? Lake Vostok. Vostok. V o s t o k. Okay, that's so I think be a fun. I feel like that'll be a fun Wikipedia wormhole. Yeah, they've. I think they found like a. Like DNA from what they assume is fish or crustaceans. Oh. So there's definitely some like potentially like multicellular life down there. Weird. So it's kind of cool to think, you know, some uh, <laughs> some uh, alien type yeah. life, you know. So how did we get on that? You you were working at Peony uh, Peony Farm. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of went off on a tangent. Oh, that was a fun one. But uh, no, it uh, like I said, you you meet some really interesting people. Um, it's kind of the idea of like how do people. Go, wind up in Alaska if they're not from there, you know? And uh, what brings you to this cold, barren, kind of faraway place? And you meet some some pretty wild characters. Everyone's got a really cool story. And um, like the the next place I went after there, I was only there for, for about a week. And then I, I would drop in, uh, they'd make me pie or whatever. They, they were really nice people. Uh, that was in uh, Anchor Point, just north of, north of Homer, um, it's a big uh, seaport, beautiful area if you ever get the chance. But uh, then I went to Clam Gulch, which was further north up the Kenai Peninsula. And uh, I was working at a dog sled ranch, kennel, farm. Yeah, I, I, don't, I know don't know what the correct uh, yeah, nomenclature is. I don't know. But, um, oh, that was fun, man. That, that, that was so cool. Um, 30 dogs. Uh, they don't look like your, your Balto, kind of like classic Husky. They um they just kind of look like mutts. Uh, apparently, they breed a uh, Siberian Husky and Bloodhound, and sometimes a little wolf gets mixed in there too. And they got those piercing White Walker eyes, you know, like that really light blue. And they're crazy, man. Most energetic dogs I've ever seen. And so, wait, what were you doing? What was your uh, responsibility on this dog farm? Oh, um, my responsibility? Yeah. My number one responsibility was just clean up dog shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's uh, that's what I, I think a lot of people are like. Oh, dog yeah. sleds, dog like, sleds, that'd like, be cool. So I, me, I was like, that would be a really cool yeah, experience. Yeah, amazing. And uh, they're just kind of like, uh, hey, like it's a fun job, but you want to see the real glamour in it? Pick it, pick up a shovel. No way. <laughs> Get to it, you know. And uh, I mean, and also it's just cool being with the dogs. And I do some other side projects, you know, like help mend fences and chop firewood and. I started staying there at the, this nice little dry cabin. They were living totally off the grid. Uh, they had generators, but they were on their own, like personal power. They would grow, they had a garden, grow their own vegetables. And uh, I think he made both the cabins himself and really fascinating people, very kind people. And uh, they actually ran um, a butcher shop too. Cause uh, I learned um, in season, uh, like in the winter, I was there October, November. I got to take the dogs out on an ATV, which was really cool, but like it was, there wasn't snow yet. And, uh, but they had a butcher shop because in season, the dogs will eat 30 dogs. They go through 50 pounds of meat a day. Wow. Yeah, so that's a lot of meat. Jeez. So they ran uh, this butcher shop, one just, um, uh, she, she knew the skills and been trained with it and was professional. And, uh, but also like, then you could keep the scraps and give it, give it to the dogs, like the non-human grade meat, you know? And they're like, do you want this? And unless people also had dogs too, a lot of times we were like, no, no, you can take this. So they take that and put in a big stew pot with rice and maybe a little veggies and feed, feed this delicious smelling stew, man. Like, uh, it was like, Scooby snacks, man. Like I'd smell this. And it's like that smells good. And I was oh like, Oh my gosh. Slow down, Evan. Let's talk yeah, 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 yeah. But no. Wait, they, really? So the dogs would get rice, vegetables. They feed them good. I mean, they make this like gumbo, moose gumbo type pop. <laughs> so yeah, well, I was gonna ask what what kind of meat was it primarily? Uh depended on the season. 
they were eating a lot of moose at the time. I uh, I actually got to help in the the butcher shop. Uh, I was doing more of the packaging, and I'd like she'd do the cuts, and maybe I'd like hold it to the right angle or whatever, you know. But um, there's a lot of meat on a moose, by the way. They're they're big big creatures, and um, I'll say this too. Um, I get a a greater understanding and a lot of appreciation for for the people who would hunt the moose up there because um they'd use every part of it you know like i said the scraps would go to the dogs they, they'd use the scapulas for for hunting like uh apparently you can whack them against trees and tracks more moose and they would save that meat and that's what they would eat you know all winter you know they, it really was a respect for the animal and they they used it to its full and um moose tastes really good too yeah it's delicious but so what were you what kind of food were you eating uh i was eating me i was mainly eating pb and j's <laughs> but uh i i'd occasionally eat some moose too and um maybe maybe if i was gonna splurge maybe some campbell's tomato soup oh very nice some yeah, yeah. And bacon i was living on a budget at the time yeah but, copy uh, that it was kind of nice man i'd uh you know i'd care for the dogs maybe work at the butcher shop and then uh they had all these really cool books i read uh player piano by kurt vonnegut that was mm. good crime and punishment great book oh yeah yeah it's uh darkly dark darkly humorous. that's a dark book yeah. oh is it oh so i've only gotten like 50 pages and that's one of those books that's hard for me it's so devastating yeah it's it's intense man it uh it's it's very russian type humor yeah it's uh but it was cool and it's they talk about like in part of the one part of the book this doesn't spoil it he goes to siberia and then i'm like i'm up in alaska and i was like yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. But no, it's cool. I just do that and maybe drink a little whiskey and watch the sun fall, listen to the dogs howl. And it's very peaceful, man. Living off the grid. And uh, I'd always talk about bullshit. You know, it's like I miss uh, greasy breakfast or going to town for a drink, whatever. And I remember Gus, he would always say, he's like, that's not what life's about, man. And he's like, I just say that every time. I'd, I'd say some BS and he'd go like, that's smart, Evan, but that's not what life's about. And I think back on that, you know, man, and job hunting, whatever, and we're living off the grid and uh, things to consider, man, you know. How do you find happiness in life? And uh, everyone's got their own journey and uh, their, own, their own walk and their own things to appreciate. And uh, it's cool to learn what conclusions people come to and uh, – how people can find happiness and uh, fulfillment in life. Mm. So that that was cool. Cool to see people living on the yeah. how you can do that. And uh, it was nice also to be get away from the phone for a little while and uh, had to catch up on some Netflix when I got back. But uh, <laughs> it was cool, man. There's, uh, there's other stuff you can watch. Just uh, watch the stars for a while or uh, just listen to dogs, uh, watch a moose walk down the street, you know, cool stuff like that. The simple things, man. Yeah. It's a crazy place, man. So how long were you there in total at the dog farm? Two, two and a half months. Yeah. And what, what, when did you finally make the decision to leave and, and continue on your journey? Oh, so I had switched from living in this nice, toasty, warm cabin and uh, to living in this yurt. And the yurt was very nice, but uh, we hadn't set up the, the chimney just right. And it was starting to get cold. We do a wood stove in there for, for heat. And I don't know if you've used a wood stove or whatever, but it's just, you know, uh, just a little pot-bellied stove and you put wood in it and then radiates heat out. And uh, the yurt was really cool, but we didn't have enough. Uh, the chimney wasn't tall enough. So when you would run the stove, the yurt would fill with smoke. So it was uh, either be cold or be warm and wake Smoked up in a smoky out. room with a headache, you know. So wow, I was I was I chose the cold, you know. I thought that was a, a safer option, but I mean, it was it was starting to get pretty cold, and uh, I was just like in a sleeping bag and a bunch of blankets, and uh, I decided I wanted some some more creature comforts, and there was more to see, you know. And uh, road goes on forever. There's more to see of it, and uh, so then I went back to Anchorage for a bit. I was staying with. Uh, this Czech fellow, um, he, he was fascinating, man. He, he had uh, grown up in the Czech Republic and then lived in the U.S. Virgin Islands and then 
switched to Alaska and he was a fascinating individual. And uh, I just hauled dirt and painted his basement and caught up with some of my friends in Anchorage. And then from there I went, I was there for two weeks, three weeks. I don't remember. But from there I then went to this uh, glacier lodge up near the Matanuska Glacier. And uh, that was really cool. The Matanuska Glacier is um, it's uh, it's the largest glacier that you can drive to, at least in Alaska. Probably not the whole world. I'm sure there's something in the Himalayas you can you can drive to, but it's this big, just kind of like rope of a glacier. It just looks like someone took a butter knife and spread this glacier through this valley, and it's it's super cool looking. And uh, this lodge would just look right over the glacier. And uh, uh, I was waiting tables and uh, pouring brews. And I lived underneath the restaurant. And uh, this is really cool setup. And uh, middle of nowhere, uh, I was wedged between the Chugiak Mountains, which kind of hug Anchorage. And then they go on like forever. And uh, the Talkeetna Mountains. And they get to this little area where they're just, this one valley separates them. And that's where the Matanuska Glacier is. And... Uh, it was cool. I, I, I could do the Chugax in one day and uh, climb the Talkeetna's one day. And by then it was starting to get cold and then there was like permanent snowfall up up there because they were higher elevation. Um, Anchorage was just kind of runny mess at the time. It was crazy. But um, I remember one time I hiked in the Talkeetna's. I was on a this path called Pinochle. And uh, uh, moose are strange animals. They, they, they do these things called harems. Like, I don't know. Do you know that term? Like, no. uh, it's like a sultan with a bunch of wives, like his harem of wives. Oh, a, har- oh, a harem. A harem. Yeah, yeah. A harem, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably pronounced it. But uh, it'll be one male moose and like six, six his wives, his female wives. And uh, they're just, they're odd, strange animals. And uh, like in the city, most dangerous animal in Alaska is a moose because uh, you don't fuck with them they're they're big they're huge you know they're they're taller than your car and they got these big gangly legs and uh like they'd say in indianapolis you know you hit a deer keep going because car versus deer uh, your car's gonna win but you hit a moose man you're you're just kind of out of luck just don't hit a moose you know on, on the highway and they like to dart across and they lose their balance because they got these big gangly legs and uh but there'll be cases they'll walk into hospitals, they'll walk into grocery stores, and they'll stop traffic because they're just strutting down the highway, you know, not a care in the world. They know their boss, and they just do whatever they want. But anyways, uh, I was up in Talkeetna's, and I saw like 20 moose, and they'd be in these the harems, harems, and uh, packs of six or seven of them. And uh, I would just, uh, I would shout at them, and clap my hands until they're just like they're like who is this guy i'm i'm getting out of here he's lame you know and they'd they push onwards so i could walk the path more and i had a fox following me at one point you know he thought i had food or something and he's 400 yards back and i just catch little glimpses of him he'd follow me and you could see wolf tracks and it was just beautiful man and little hairs darting about and uh i didn't see any bears that day but i did run into bears a few times the the wildlife is crazy i got really into hiking i I'd go out in the mountains or do these mountain passes and uh it's beautiful man what what kind of bears i only saw black bears i never saw grizzlies and uh black bears are usually they call them trash bears sometimes because they tend to be more okay with human development they'll get into garbage whatever you know and uh they're a little bit smaller sometimes. They can get really big. Uh, like uh, one time, I I had a friend of mine. Uh, him and his uh, wife, they were they came up to Alaska on their honeymoon, and the, they were nice enough. They were like, "Let's check in on our good buddy Evan, see what he's up to." And uh, I took took him on a took him on a hike, and led them directly into three bears <laughs> and i was like i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> they were fine it was just like a bunch of cubs and they were just like Ur? like looking at yeah, us like, <laughs> tilting their heads and uh but no the we we walked the train tracks back after that we we're wow. like yeah we'll, we'll uh, listen with this 
Jeez. But yeah, I saw I climbed the mountain called Rainbow. We ran in this big black bear, and we were accidentally pinching him because the trail's a switchback, kind of uh, zigs and zags down down the way. So we were coming down, and a guy was coming up with his dog, and we were inadvertently pinching the bear, making him nervous. So he starts uh, when bears are kind of like uh, intimidated. Usually, a black bear will run away unless it's it's not messing around. They woof. They go there. No, they, they actually woof. That's their aggress. What does that mean? That means GTFO. Oh, you know, like, like back off. Yeah, and they'll stomp. If you ever see a bear stand up, that's not. It's not like, hey, what, what, what's going on over there? Let, let me peer over. It's it's like, I'm going to stand up and stomp. That means this is my territory. Mm. GTFO. You know, and uh, he was a big fella, and he starts stomping. And so we, we we had a can of bear bear mace between between the four of us, and we we said we're just gonna sit here for for twenty minutes till he carries on. But every time like we try to go down the trail, because it would zigzag, you know, we'd be going one way, but then we would loop back around. So then we're we're following the bear again, and then like oh he'd go the other way, and then we'd loop back around. So we eventually he just sauntered off. But yeah, we saw and then we saw another bear that day and. One time I was in Crow's Pass, I, I, uh, I had a, a handgun for for a little bit for for the bears, and um, I I'd gotten lost on the trail and uh, I'd been falling the river back, and I was dehydrated and out of it, just a little loopy, and I wasn't paying attention like I should, and uh, I come to this blind turn, and uh, probably about where where you are, maybe a little bit farther, but within ten feet. There's this this black bear, and I look up. He looks up, and um, I kid you not, we both jump up in the air. You ever seen a bear jump? It's crazy. No. <laughs> and um, I mean, time slows down, and I'm panicking, you know. And uh, I uh, I couldn't tell if it was a, a he's kind of a little a smaller guy, so I didn't know if it was like a baby bear. So then I was like, "Where's mama?" You know, and that's where it gets dangerous. And uh, or and he kind of he doesn't run away. He kind of loops around and then kind of hangs out and so i didn't know what he was doing so i'm kind of i'm panicking and i i, I pulled the gun out and um i had never fired it before and I, I i aim at the bear at first but i don't want to shoot a bear man like if it's the wilderness and it's me this scruffy hoosier dude like transplanted to indiana and a, and a bear like who belongs there more you know i just didn't want to get eaten so I, 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 I pull the gun away and I shoot it in a tree, you know, just like a warning shot. And I don't think I even needed to because he, he just kept booking it. He, he kept leaving. And then my ears rang for two days. And No way. Yeah. It's, it was stupid, man. It's a gun is not a toy. And uh, I, I, I had a, a 38 and I learned um, I, I was uh, – I was kind of up on my high horse after that, and I was uh, I was bragging to one of my coworkers. I was like, "Yeah, no, no big deal. It's a, I had a pretty pretty eventful weekend." And he was like, "Oh yeah," and just, he had lived there forever. And he's like, "What you do?" And I was like, "I shot at a bear. It's it's cool. I'm only kind of a badass." And uh, it's like, "Well, what you have?" And it was like a, a thirty eight. And that uh, he he looks at me. He kind of he's like, "What?" He goes like, "Did you hit it?" And I was like, "No, no, no. I'm I missed. That's what I told him." Oh and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, he goes, "Well, you one lucky motherfucker, because if you hit that bear, that wouldn't have stopped it, and you would have just pissed it off. Apparently, no you, need, you need a bigger bullet to take out because they got thick skin. So apparently, in my my stupidity, I I got lucky. Wow. And, uh, after that, I realized the the safer option is bear spray. Wow. Just, uh, one, it's uh, like I said, gun's not a toy. You know, uh, trouble can find you, but um, or you can go looking for trouble. But when you got a when you got a gun, trouble will find you. And uh, I decided it was it was time to to retire that. And, wow, uh, I stuck to bear spray after that. And then I I never had to use it. So good, it was good. That's nice. But, so this all happened up north, northern Alaska, in in the high alpine environment. This, that was down in a, a river valley. That was Crow's Pass and um, Eagle River. But no, I'd go up Matsu Valley. That's like um, it's the boonies of Anchorage. Anchorage is actually the size of Delaware. 
they do these like big areas. And um, so it's like administrative district because Alaska is spread out, you know, and uh, you can drive for an hour and still be in Anchorage. That's like uh, Fairbanks, the the other big city. And call it a big city is stretching it. It's what, 30,000, 40,000 people. Uh, I, I want to say that the district is the size of West Virginia. So it's like to call it a city in air quotations is it's, it's harsh, you know. But um, yeah, it's wild, man. People live in the bush and uh, some of the, the native villages are only accessible by bush plane. And uh, what they'll do is they'll come once a year and restock on their sailor boy bread and, uh, you know, their dried goods and toilet paper. And uh, apparently out in some of the villages, toilet paper can get up to like $25. Crazy expensive. Per freaking little thing. Yeah. Carton eggs cost more. Uh, milk costs crazy. So you think about it, I mean, like, it's just cost of shipping. Got to get it out there, and it'll be, like, isolated place, no more than 4,000 people. So you got to ship it out there, and uh, like you, you buy milk in Anchorage, and it'll be, like, expires in four days because they got to ship it up there, and cost of groceries is double, you know, especially if you're getting fresh produce. So it's a lot, it's a lot easier just to eat, like, Spam and corned beef and uh, kind of salty, fatty foods and mm. – uh, but like I said, I mean, unless you, you know, the land and you're eating moose and foraging for mushrooms and I don't know, making something with fireweed. This is pretty little plant that grows up there. But it's wild, man. You uh, learn a lot about yourself and um, people are versatile. They can, they can adapt to just about any environment. Some really cool people I met up there. Yeah. Wow. So you finished up your Alaskan journey with you were was was it up in near Talkeetna's? Is that where you finished? Uh for a while, I, I went back home for Thanksgiving and um ate a good amount of turkey, caught up with fam, uh drank a lot of beer and uh then I I decided I, I wanted to put in for for kind of some more kind of big boy jobs and uh actually put that degree to work and um so i i actually got a job with the state uh doing solid waste management and uh it's a lot more boring than tony soprano makes it look but uh it's uh i i loved it, it it's a side of environmentalism um not a lot of people understand or realize and when i say not a lot of people i mean me i i i didn't get it and uh i learned a lot about that and um with alaska it's there's some real endemic issues because it's so isolated. And like I said, you've got these these villages that'll be uh, hundreds of miles away from road system or a, a port. And if you've got, you know, say a car or a car battery, or say you've got paint or hazardous materials, you know, uh, what do you do with it? You know, like you've got no way to get it out or... There's no recycling in Alaska because there's just not the infrastructure for it. So what they do, they backhaul a lot of the anything that's recyclable down to Washington or to Idaho. And um, a big issue is just like when you've got, you know, antifreeze or you got to drain a car of oil, you know, used oil, whatever. Like, how do you safely manage this? Not only for the public health, but the environmental health. And you can landfill it, which is mainly what I would do. I'd, I'd regulate the landfills. But landfilling is difficult, especially in a place like Alaska with such freeze-thaw. Um, and there's special rules for some of the more remote areas. But, like, it's – you want to make sure you're not leaking gunk into the environment. And then that affects uh, sustainable harvesting. You know, like, if you're getting gunk, then that affects uh, – the plants and the river system that affects the moose that affects the caribou the entire idea was like we want people to be healthy and the environment to be healthy and i met some people who really cared about that and really made it their their passion their mission and um that was what i liked it was cool to see government work and uh i said there, there's some really good people there who really cared not only about the people but the environment and see them go the extra mile in their job to uh to make it work. And uh, a whole lot goes into garbage, man. It's some cool stuff. 
and uh i was happy to be a part of it for a little bit i did uh i was only there for just over five months and then covid corona happened and uh the job kind of changed up a bit uh i was gonna be doing some traveling and then travel kind of shut down with that and uh no, it uh, just became not exactly the job I uh, thought I had taken. And um, I thought, you know, I could stay with this or if it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out. And I thought with COVID, Corona, I wanted to go back, see my family, make sure they were doing okay. And uh, I decided I I had passed. I wanted to stay in Alaska for that year that I was going to do with AmeriCorps. And I had done a year and some change. And so that year had rolled around and I started thinking, you know, like, uh, I never planned to come up here full time and kind of was like, uh, have you gotten what you wanted out of Alaska? That's what I kept asking myself. I was like, uh, have you grown how you wanted to, uh, are you the same person you were when you left, uh, for better or worse, you know, like, uh, for better, thankfully. But, uh, you know, I, I started realizing it's like, uh, I said, uh, it's a big world and the road goes on forever. And, um, while I could learn more from Alaska, I feel like it was just scratching the surface. Uh, there's a lot of other places to check out and there's a lot to learn. And, uh, why not try to have it all, man? So I, I, I put my two weeks in and in my genius in this job market, I quit instead of getting laid off. And, uh, plan now is, uh, take the slow roundabout road trip back to Indianapolis and, um, uh, kind of reconvene, see the family, uh, see the grandparents. And um, who knows, man, uh, maybe, maybe I'll come out to Denver. Maybe I'll do Salt Lake City. Uh, maybe we'll do Portland. Maybe I'll go back to Alaska. Who knows? So uh, when my coworkers was retiring and um, you know, we were talking about, it, I was like, what, what are you going to do now that you're retiring? Like, uh, what are your plans? It was like, oh, we're going to travel around for a bit, but um, – He's like, you know what they say is the most expensive part of leaving Alaska, right? And he had lived there for years. And I was like, what? What's the most expensive part? He said, most expensive part of leaving Alaska is moving back. This something about it gets in your blood, you know? And uh, even now I think about that, you know, the one o'clock in the morning on summer solstice, swimming in a lake, you know, looking up at it bright crazy skies uh, think about you know smoking a cigarette under more stars than i could ever see you know it's like uh it's like someone spilled rice on a black carpet you know just everywhere and just the stillness the the quiet the calmness man i know you've probably got that a bit in the arctic there's there's something different about the air something in the water man it's uh it's really peaceful you uh you feel more connected you uh it's not it's not civilization and nature. It's not man versus nature. It's it's just one, you know, and uh, something really inspiring about that, you know. I bet I'll be unboxing that for years to come, but I learned a lot and uh, I got the knowledge and now I can unpack it and learn it over the next few years. So oh, I love cool. that, Evan. That's so cool. It was great, man. You also have a poetic way of speaking. This is the way you were describing some of these scenes just now. It was like kind of blowing me away. I appreciate that. Yeah, it uh it's got effect on you, man. It, uh, I like to think I grew up in Alaska, changed for the better. Who knows, man? Maybe maybe I'll come back and I'll realize, oh, I'm a degenerate now. That's nice. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I hope so. Yeah, I met I met some some cool characters and uh I hope I can take what I learned there and um at the very least better myself and um hopefully uh better those things around me, you know, worry about the environment and, uh, people and, uh, it's just a crazy world. Man. So Evan, this is a question that I've brought onto my podcast. Okay. I'm going to ask you now, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life, man. Hmm. Give me a second to mull that over. I don't think it's so much about, meaning i think it's it's just about living it you know it's just um i think it's to look at it as like there's a 
there's a goal, there's this end thing. Like I think that sometimes like uh, maybe I watch too much TV and maybe growing up like kind of like millennial Gen Z, it's like you you read a book, you watch a TV show and it's got kind of a definitive ending and, you know, cowboy rides out on the sunset. It's happily ever after, you know. That's not really how things go, you know. There's not, there's no finish line with life, you know. I mean, no one makes it out of it alive, you know. But you got to think like um, things kind of keep going on forever, even after death, you know. Like I said, I'm a geologist, you know, like uh, time is a matter of perception, you know, and uh, things continue. And so I think it's about you get to make meaning in life. It's about experiencing it on the journey. And uh, I think, um, I don't know if I read this or someone told it to me or maybe I heard it twice, but it's, uh, I think it's important sometimes to step back, look around you, especially when you're happy, you know, and when you are happy, when when you're feeling good, take a moment and realize that and think, I'm happy. This is good, you know? And I think it's so often we get lost in the rush and, you know, uh, what we're expected to be and, um, you know, social media age, uh, comparing ourselves to something else. But it's, um, in the end, it's just you. And it's uh, when you're happy, make sure you notice it, you know. And I think that's part of the meaning, you know. It's, uh, maybe we'll never experience the full meaning of it, but it's... Uh, we can have our own per- perception of it. Yeah. That was a beautiful answer. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of, a lot of wisdom nuggets in that one. So for yeah. those listeners, yeah, pocket those, mm-hmm. but you uh, just steal it from other people and then you just condense it. Yeah, <laughs> Ain't that it the truth? Yeah. Pick it up on the journey. Well, Evan, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing all these experiences that you had. It's my pleasure, man. I'm glad I got to do this. You know, it's a, uh, if I'm in the air, I, you know, I might as well check it out. Yeah, and I wish you good luck on the rest of your road trip. I know that you're hitting a few spots. So it'd be yeah. amazing if you, you know, ended up in Denver or Salt Lake. You know, that's within the striking distance of Vail. Yeah, maybe we can uh we can do some crazy national park adventures or something like that. Yeah, I'll try to I'll, I'll yeah. try to get you on the river in a raft. That's something yeah. I really love doing. Find someplace cool, live off the grid for a while, grow some cabbage. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Who knows? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to give us a like and subscribe and give us a review. It helps put us on different playlists. And to Evan Miller, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Hit hit that subscribe button. (laughs) There you go. (laughs)